Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. God, thank you that you still speak today. Thank you that you have a word for us, God, that your, your word is alive and, and we just look to it now just for your wisdom, God, for your guidance. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to just come and reveal yourself to us. Reveal your word, Lord. Whatever you want to say to us, we open ourselves up to that. And so just speak through me and speak way beyond me in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in the series of Summer in the Psalms, right? And uh, Pastor Claude kicked us off last week. How many were blessed by his message? Yeah, I know I was. He talked about, right, how worship is a big deal. And it really is a big deal. And so much, in fact, that I actually want to just continue on this topic of worship um, this morning. We're going to dive into Psalm 100 and just unpack this really well-known psalm of praise to God. And, you know, I, I was just thinking, and I was, as I was preparing, I was thinking and praying, like, God, how can I bless families this morning? It's Child Dedication Sunday. How can I bless and encourage families? And I just felt like he kind of said, you know, what better topic to focus on as families than on worship, right? Worshiping God, and, and, and worship is such an all-encompassing part of our life, or at least it should be, right? And so... It impacts our families in so many different ways. I find for myself personally, um, I, I am different. When my heart is turned toward God in worship, I am a different person, right? My, my, my flesh kind of gets taken over by a heart of worship for God, you know? And I, I, my, my ability to see myself as a son of God increases when I'm in a place of worship, my, my ability to be a husband and a father the way that God calls me to be increases when I'm in a place and a posture of worship in my life. And so worship changes my ability and it impacts me in so many different ways. And I think it even changes the atmosphere in our homes, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed that? I know I have, right? Where if, if we have worship playing in the background just in our home, in our, in our daily life, or, or if we're having a time of family worship, um, it, the, the atmosphere even changes, right? And it's not this mystical thing. It's just we see it in our kids. We see it in ourselves. Attitudes are, are better, you know, and, and there's just more positivity, and, and we see it in these clear ways, and I believe that's God, right? Worship changes our ability and it changes our atmosphere and it impacts our families. And so this is why I so badly want to leave a legacy of worship. I so badly want to leave a legacy of worship and I hope and I pray that we as a church, we as people, we as families are intent on that as well. That we leave a legacy of worship where our kids understand what it means to worship God. Because they see parents, they see grandparents, they see people in their life that are passionately worship, worshiping God, both in their expression, but also in their lifestyle, right? Week to week, you know, not, not just Sundays, but, but a lifestyle of worship. How, what, what an important legacy, right? So important. So 
We're going to go through this psalm. We're going to go through it verse by verse. Um, it, it's only five verses, so, um, but, but there's, there's so much packed in here. I'll be honest, I had a hard time kind of fitting everything into the time we have left. Um, but, but I really believe there's, there's something that God wants to show us this morning. So let's start in verse 1 of Psalm 100. Um, if you want to join me there in your Bible, that's great. Or I think it's up on the screen as well. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Shout for joy. I love how this verse, it starts with this phrase, shout for joy. Most of us, uh, we, we would recognize a shout for joy if we heard one, right? You guys would all recognize a shout for joy. We've probably all shouted for joy at some point in our life. Um, yeah, right? And maybe for you, a shout for joy was when your favorite team, you're watching your favorite team, uh, and they won the, the, the championship, right? And there was, there was shouts for joy. There was, there was high fives all around the room, right? Celebration. Uh, any Colorado Avalanche fans, you know, you probably recently saw them win the, the Stanley Cup, right? Shout for joy. He's still shouting for whoever that was. is still shouting for joy, right? Uh, a shout for joy, right? Or maybe you are in a young kid's season of life like I am, and a shout for joy for you might be when your kid, who you've been potty training for a while, starts to successfully use the potty, right? What a shout for joy, you know? <laughs> Way to go, buddy. You use the potty, right? No more messes, hopefully, right? <laughs> we know it's a journey, though, so there's always still messes. Um, a shout for joy, right? We all recognize a shout for joy when we hear one. Have you ever tried, though, to shout for joy quietly? Have you ever tried to shout for joy quietly? Like, I, I've done that, you know, for example, I, I call it whisper shouting. Um, when, for example, the kids are already in bed and I'm watching, you know, the Jets or something and they, and they win and I got a I gotta whisper shout because my kids are already sleeping. It's like, yeah. Oh, damn, you know, and I'm like doing this like holding back whisper shout kind of thing, right? Um, but it doesn't really work that well. Do you guys find that too? It doesn't really work that well to whisper shout. Has anyone, does anyone know what I'm talking about whisper shouting? Okay, some nods. Okay, good. I'm not alone. Um, that's just the reality of parenting, right, is whisper shouting. But when we're holding back, like a shout isn't really a shout unless it's loud, Right? And that's, you know, kind of a funny thing, but it sort of grabbed me as I was reading this first verse of Psalm 100. It kind of grabbed me, this idea that the volume of a shout is loud. The volume of a shout is loud. And in the context of worshiping God, our worship should be loud. Our worship should be loud, right? Yes, there's a place for be still and know that I am God, but the psalmist is also making it very clear that the volume of our worship should be loud, right? This is not a quiet shout. This is a loud shout. This is, not a, this is not a whisper shout, but a loud shout, an unhindered excitement. There's no holding back, and that should be the volume of our worship to God, is no holding back. And I don't just mean in a literal sense, like no holding back the volume of your stereo or the, the soundboard, even though loud worship is awesome and I love it and sometimes it helps, you know, but, but I, I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about our expression in worship. I'm talking about us freely 
openly and in an unhindered way expressing our worship to God, just declaring our worship, yes, maybe even shouting our worship to God because our worship should be loud. Pastor Claude talked a lot about our expression in worship last weekend, right? And I was encouraged. I was, I was even challenged by that um, because if you're like me, sometimes that's difficult to just freely, openly express my worship because sometimes it feels like, you know, clapping and singing loud and shouting and dancing and, and, and raising my hands. It, it, sometimes it's like in this prideful sort of human way, it almost feels like an undignified thing to do in front of other people, right? And it's just like, God's just been convicting me even more, you know? It's gotta be so much more than just a dignified singing to God. Our expression of worship has to be so much more than that. It has to be this let loose, you know, this, this no holding back worship to God because it glorifies him when we go beyond just a dignified singing. It glorifies him when we go all out, when we don't hold back, like David, right? And Pastor Claude talked about that, and I thought that was such a beautiful reminder. Man, we, we got to be like David in this way. It glorifies God. So this applies to the volume of our expression in worship, right? But it's also, it applies to the way that we live our lives as worship to God. Because we know that worship is a lifestyle. It's more than just singing. It's more than just e expressing our praise. It's, it's worshiping him with every part of our life. And I want to ask us, what's the volume of your life as worship to God? What's the volume of your life as worship? Like, how loud is your life for God? Like, are the people around you, are they hearing, are they seeing your love, your passion for God in the way that you act, in the way that you talk? Are they hearing, like, is it reverberating? Is it echoing around your, your workplace, your neighborhood? Is your love and your passion for God, is your life of worship for God, is it reverberating around your life and impacting the people around you? Like, is your testimony of what God has done in your life, is it bold? Is it loud? Is it clear? Is your love for God, is your love for others loud and clear in the way that you invest in people with your time, your words, your, your cooking or your money, you know? Is it loud, is it clear or is it a whisper shout? We wanna be so much more than whisper shouters, right? Our worship should be loud. May we be a church, may we be a people where the volume of our worship both in singing and expression, but also our lifestyle is loud. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. What a beautiful call to worship. And then verse two, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. See, some translations actually use the word serve here. Serve the Lord with joy and gladness. And this word serve is actually both used to, to talk about like serving God with our worship, like in a service like this, right? But also serving God in like our ordinary, everyday sort of work and lives. That, that's what this word service is, is used. It's used in both ways. And so it's clear that we are called to serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
You look at that emphasis on these first two verses of joy and gladness. Shout for joy. Worship with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And this emphasis on joy and gladness, it should make us realize that worship and serving God should be full of joy and gladness. What does that mean? Right? Like, what, what does that mean? Does that mean just like a, like a happiness, like an emotional thing? What does it mean to serve the Lord with joy and gladness? Well, let me tell you, first of all, what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean unhappy, heavy-hearted service that's only out of obligation. It doesn't mean uh, a service with a heart full of dissatisfaction. This is not the kind of service that God is talking about in this verse What serving the Lord with gladness and joy does mean, it means to take pleasure in serving the Lord. To take pleasure in serving the Lord. It means to find joyful satisfaction and contentment in serving the Lord. Even a cheerfulness in serving God. But it means like this kind of godly joy that's so much more than short-term happiness So I want to ask you this morning, does that describe your life? Does that describe the way that you serve God in your everyday life? And and this is something that God has been just teaching me personally in the last number of months actually is, is, Brad, are you finding joy in serving me? Are you finding joy in me? Are you enjoying me? Are you enjoying your service to me? See, sometimes what we do is we, we, we take these verses like this and we receive them as kind of an optional invitation. We, we kind of see them as like serve the Lord with gladness if you can bring yourself to, like if your circumstances allow and if you, you know, serve him with gladness when you feel glad. But I want to I wanna point out that serving God with joy and gladness, it's, it's not optional. It's not optional. We see it all over the Bible. Psalm 32, 11, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, right? Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then Psalm 37, verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just a suggestion. If you want to delight in me, that's okay. But if you don't, you know, you go ahead and delight in whatever it is that you want to delight in. Whatever it is that you find enjoyment in. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying it's not optional. And why is that? Think about it. Why is that? Why is it not optional? Why is it not good enough? Why is it not pleasing to the Lord to only serve him out of decision or duty? Why is that not enough, right? I think it has to be more than decision or duty because you glorify what you enjoy. That's naturally what happens, right? We we glorify what we enjoy. Think about this with me. Um, Think about some of your favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. You guys know that one? Some of you are thinking about raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. 
bright copper kettles, wormelin mittens, maybe not. Uh, you have to see this sound of music to know what I'm talking about. It's a very famous song. These are a few of my favorite things. Anyway, we have a lot of favorite things, right? They're probably not kittens, although maybe you, maybe you do love kittens. We, re we recently got a few kittens in there. Very cute, so I can, I can understand if kittens is really your favorite thing, but we have a lot of favorite things, right? We have a lot of, maybe for you it's sports or cars or, or music or photography or hunting or gardening or coffee or, or whatever it might be for you. The truth is that we glorify what we enjoy. We glorify what we enjoy. So to glorify, I'll, I'll explain it just a little bit more. To glorify means to elevate, to elevate and to make much of something. Right? To, to praise and exalt something. And as you probably know, the way it works is when you enjoy something, when you're passionate about something, you kind of just can't stop talking about it, right? Have you ever talked to somebody like that who's just that passionate about something that it just, th their passion just works its way into every single conversation? I, I know some people who are that passionate about hunting, for example, um, and I just, I find it hilarious because they, they find a way <laughs> to like bring hunting into every single conversation, right? And it's, it's cool, right? They, it, it's elevated in their life. They, they make much of it. It's sort of a glorification in its sense, in, in a sense, in the way that they share it with others. And, and without even trying, they kind of sell you on it, right? And before you know it, it's like, that, that sounds fun. I want to go hunting, you know? And it turns out, I, I do enjoy hunting, actually, and I, I love it. It's fun. Um, but, but the truth is, we, we glorify what we enjoy. That's kind of how that works, right? It just naturally happens out of an overflow of passion, out of an overflow of passion for that enjoyment, we do that with a lot of things, and these things are, are good things, right? We, we should enjoy these things, like kittens and hunting and sports and all these things. But, but I want to ask us, I want to make us think, do we delight in the Lord like that? Do we enjoy God like that? To the point where we naturally bring him glory out of an overflow of our passion for him. We naturally bring him glory out of an overflow of passion for him. See, I want us to understand this idea of delighting the Lord and delighting in the Lord and glorifying the Lord are, are linked, right? We were made to glorify God. We were made to glorify God. And when God is our deepest pleasure in life, we display him as our highest treasure, when he's our deepest pleasure, we display him to others around us as our highest treasure, right? Our deepest pleasure meaning we find joy in him. We, we are most satisfied in him. We're content in him. His, his relationship with us is our deepest pleasure and thereby he's glorified because then we display him as our highest treasure. He, he finds his way into our conversations he finds his way into our passions. We find ourselves talking about him all the time, right? And, and that passion actually rubs off on other people. And before you know it, other people are looking and saying, man, I want a relationship with God like that guy. Like I always saw God as like an angry guy in the sky, but, but this guy seems to know a God who, who really loves him. And he really loves God. 
right? That passion, it rubs off on others, on our kids, on our coworkers, on our families. And that's what we want, that's how we glorify God, by finding pleasure, by finding enjoyment in him. And can I just say, thinking about families, I mean, our kids need to see us model a life that treasures the Lord above anything else. Our kids need that. Our kids need that so, so badly because if they're gonna properly understand who God should be to them, they need to see us model a God and a relationship with God that we treasure above anything else. This is why serving the Lord with joy and gladness, it's, it's not optional. Because glorifying the Lord is not optional. We're made to glorify God. It's literally why we were put here on earth. Look at Matthew 5, 14 to 16, a very familiar passage. It says, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and then glorify your Father in heaven. As we shine our light as Christians, as we display God to the world with passion and with enjoyment, God is glorified, right? God is glorified. So what's your highest treasure? What do you delight in the most? Think about that. And some of us were probably wondering, well, how do I, how do I, do, like, how do I enjoy God? Like, how do I, how do I actually feed into my joy of the Lord in a practical daily way? And I, I think that so much of it comes out of relationship with God, you know? And, and so it, it can be as simple as just starting by asking God, by giving God time in your day and asking him to fill you with his joy and with his, with his love and with his spirit. Because those are the fruits of the spirit, right? Ask him, right? God, I need your joy in my life. I, I want your joy. I need more. Like David in Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I need to pray that prayer. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It can be as simple as asking him, giving him the time in your day. Another way that I, I think is so powerful is just to remember the promises of God. Meditate on the promises of God. Call them to mind. Bring them to the forefront of your mind, right? For example, God, you promise you'll never leave me. And so I, I put all my hope in that. I put all my hope in the fact that you say you will never leave me. And I just call that promise to mind and I meditate on that and I, I squeeze every bit of truth out of God's promise that I can and I make that my focus for the day. And as I meditate on God's promise, I think it will bring me back and it always does. It brings me back to that contentment and that satisfaction and that joy in God's promise that is so much better, so much deeper, so much more fulfilling than any short-term happiness that my flesh or the world could offer. 
It's, it's so good, right? So we gotta understand, right, we're called to worship and serve with joy and gladness because that's one of the ways that we bring glory to God and it's powerful, right? This, this is the heart of what I felt like God wanted us to, to hear this morning. He, he wanted to communicate this to his church. If you don't remember anything else that I say, I hope you remember this. God is calling us, enjoy me, delight in me, find your pleasure in me, serve me with this kind of joy and gladness. Worship should be full of joy and gladness. Verse three says, know that the Lord is God. It's he who made us. We're his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's calling us to see God rightly and to see ourselves rightly. It's saying God is our creator. He is our Lord. He is our shepherd and we are his sheep. We are his followers. The way that God leads us is through his Holy Spirit. So like sheep follow a shepherd, we follow the Holy Spirit, right? The way that this connects to um, the, the verses that we've been talking about, the way it's linked to verse one and two, is because I, I believe that serving the Lord with joy and with gladness is actually a result of following the Spirit. It's a result of following the Spirit. We, we see joy listed as the second fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kind, all of them, right? It's a fruit, right? It, it, joyful worship is a fruit of the Spirit because joy is a result of following the Spirit. Joy is a result of living in His power and His equipping. And so I want to ask us this morning, are we living in our identity as a sheep? Or is there parts of our life that we're still taking control over, you know? Is there parts of our life that we're not allowing God to lead us? We, we need to be led by his spirit. He is the one who made us. We are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We need him to fill us. So I encourage, I invite you to open yourself up to him fully if you haven't. Verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So here he, the psalmist is just calling us to enter God's presence with thanksgiving, expressing our gratitude for all that God has done for us. Worship should be full of gratitude. Should be full of gratitude. Isn't it true that so often an attitude of gratitude is the beginning of an attitude of worship? An attitude of gratitude is the beginning of an attitude of worship. Like if, do you ever find yourself struggling to passionately worship God? I know I do sometimes and, and I really believe my attitude is one of the biggest things that holds me back from worshiping the way that I should. Our attitude is huge, right? I, I love this quote from Chuck Swindoll. He says, I believe 10% of our life is about the circumstances around us. But 90% of life is our attitude. We can't control our circumstances, but we can control our attitude. What an awesome perspective, right? We can control our attitude. The, the decision for the attitude that we have, the the the, the what we decide, the attitude we decide to walk through life with 
is so huge, right? When we choose to focus on all the ways that God has blessed us, we see a shift in our attitude. We become more grateful, right? We see this attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving, and it brings us to a place of joyful worship, right? Come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. Then lastly, verse five, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. What a beautiful reminder. The psalmist is just calling us to celebrate this covenant that God made with his people, that he would love us forever, that his faithfulness would continue through all generations. He reminds us, why do we worship? Why do we worship like this? Why do we worship with joy and gladness and thanksgiving? Because God is good. <laughs> He's so worthy, right? And not just our generation, it's for our kids, it's for our kids' kids. Isn't that worth celebrating? Isn't that worth a shout of praise? Isn't that amazing? I think we should praise him right now, right? Because God is so worthy. Our God, you're... Your covenant is beautiful. We celebrate your love and your faithfulness to all generations. May we be a church with a culture of worship like this. May we be a church, may we be the individuals and families who make this kind of worship central in our lives, amen? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.